Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy C I Double Z Y live action back at it again with another episode of the Voices of Value podcast. And yet again, I come back with what I say every time is another fire guest who we will introduce shortly. But before we do that, remember if you're watching this right now, you've probably prescri- <laughs> prescribed. We do need to prescribe you with something if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel. And if you're watching this without subscribing, Shame you might be you. an illegal immigrant. Shame. Respectfully, to anybody out there who feels disrespected, press the like button. <laughs> and with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we have our guest, Whitney Morgan, on the show today. Go ahead and say what's up to the people. Introduce yourself real quick, and then we'll jump into the uh, local and big news of the like world. Like you said, go ahead, like, and subscribe. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. Whitney Morgan, hell not of Kansas City, Missouri. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Local news, ladies and gentlemen. Tech nine, tech nine. Now I know you guys might not consider this local business news, but Kansas City seems to be pretty excited about the fact that they've selected Kansas City's favorite rapper, Tech Nine, to flip the switch this year uh, for the Kansas City Plaza lights that kind of lights mm-hmm. up all. The, they normally have the mayor do it, if I'm remembering correctly, from the past few years. But this year, Tech has been selected. They kind of announced, I think it's the 94th lighting okay. in the plaza, I believe. Um, and so everyone who loves Kansas City's Tech Nine is kind of cheering for them and, and excited for that to happen. Personally, I've never found it to be fun to go watch the mayor flick the lights. or I can't even see whoever's flicking lights because everybody down there parked. Right. You typically got to get in the top of a parking garage or some shit to right. like find a good spot. And then you see the lights come on, but you don't really know who does it. So. Well, some people would consider Tech Nine the mayor or the people's mayor. Mm. So that, that makes you sense. You ain't lying. You ain't lying. Does he call himself that by chance? Because if he doesn't, he should adopt that. I don't know if he does, but I know he's been advocating for Kansas City for a long time. Absolutely. Only 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 local artists in a, in like a specific town. In case you're like a big celebrity artist that came out of LA or New York City, anywhere else, most people ain't like in their town like that. My man is tech be acting like he ain't never he ain't never achieved success in the <laughs> multi-million dollar. He's like, nah, we're keeping headquarters here. We're yeah. keeping my house here. I'm going to marry a shorty from here. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to work out to the gyms here. I'm going to pull up at the mall here. Awesome. I've been seeing Buddy at the mall every three weeks awesome. <laughs> since I was nine. So, yeah. anyways, local business, not local business, but definitely local news. In terms of rest of the world, this is some rest of the world business news. Mint, ladies and gentlemen, if anybody knows the budgeting app Mint, it is shutting down. Mm. For all of y'all who have been budgeting, utilizing Mint instead of Google Sheets, utilizing Mint instead of <laughs> Truebill, utilizing Mint instead of any of these other budgeting app platforms, I'm sorry to tell you, on January 1st of 2024, they are officially shutting down, and they are encouraging users to transfer over to Credit Karma. I know they were saying that people were saying they're getting acquired by Credit Karma, but I don't mm. think that's the case necessarily. I think uh, they're literally just shutting down and then users if they would like to migrate over to credit karma they can outside of that your account's essentially going to go dead um so i've been seeing a lot of people on twitter in the uproar like basically every single person for like four days i've seen people post what's a good replacement for mint Mm -hmm. what's a good placement replacement for mint Mm -hmm. and in the topic of money and the conversations we're going to talk talk about today Mm -hmm. 
what do you use as a budgeting app platform? Or maybe you don't. Maybe you use Google Sheets. Maybe you use your iPhone notes. But let's start there for the day. Well, shout out to Google Sheets, by the way. Google Sheets, if you don't have uh, software for whatever you do, then Google Sheets definitely is a good replacement. But for me, I use Rocket Money. Mm-hmm, I like mm-hmm. Rocket Money. It's, I think it's like nine ninety nine a month. But it tells it, it's a budgeting tool. It helps you save money on specific types of bills and things like that. It'll alert you to, hey, you're spending too much on car insurance or whatever, and they give you options to save money there. So it's it's been an asset since I've been using it. I love that, and I, and I believe I leave, I believe they were formerly Truebill. So I was like gotcha. thinking, I was like, I don't think Truebill's around, but then I remember I was like, oh, I know what they happened. They may have been acquired. Yeah, may have been acquired and switched up the name, and now it's Rocket. Right. What do you say, Rocket Money Rocket or Rocket money. Finance? Yeah, I, I had them for like two months, two months ago. But then you know when things just don't transfer over well like you try to like sync your bank accounts with yes. your new budgeting platform yes. and just one thing goes wrong you're like fuck it and you just delete <laughs> it that's what happens one thing wasn't connecting i said whatever cancel the subscription went back to google sheets so give I'm them a, another shot give them another shot that, I, I think about it i'm in the google sheets lifestyle right now gotcha. you know, i might just have to keep it simple and, and manually enter in the transactions um whitney first and foremost thank you for making time to come on the show today i would love to take this opportunity right now to kind of dive into your story. We sure. like to start all the podcasts out with kind of letting people get to know who the guest is before we start talking business or whatever sure. it might be. So you say you're from Kansas City, Missouri. Whereabouts did you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? What were what were some of your hobbies growing up? So that's the thing. I say I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. I've lived in all aspects of Kansas City on the Kansas side, uh, Johnson County, KCK, Wyandotte. I lived in the Missouri side. But I, I say when people ask, I'm from America. I mean, mm-hmm. I've lived in... Atlanta, Georgia. I've lived in Minneapolis. I was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I've lived in Washington State, out in Seattle. So I say ultimately I'm from America, but I've been in Kansas City the longest, and that's where that's where my heart is. That's where I became a man. That's where I got married. That's where I've had my kids. Uh, so that's pretty much where I say uh, where the heart is. I've went to KU, so rock chalk to everybody out there listening to rock chalk. Um, I've I've got a degree in architecture and urban planning and did the corporate thing. And then during the pandemic, I just started, decided to start my own business. And that's what we're going to talk about here now. Oh yeah. Try, try the traditional route. And now I'm an entrepreneur. I love it. I love it. Now I want to dial it all the way back. So you lived in quite a few places. Was that in your like post teenage years, like after 18 or were you jumping around military family or kind of run us, run us through your upbringing and the kind of family dynamics that had you, traveling across the country to live in random different so places. Not, it wasn't because of military. I was raised by my father, a single-parent household, but different than a traditional single-parent. Most people assume, oh, that your mother must have raised you, but it was opposite for me. So me and my dad bounced around a lot of different places. I was, my formative years, my adult years, was here in Kansas City. So we moved here when I was like 14. Mm-hmm. So before that was all the bouncing around and things like that. And in certain aspects of my life, I live with my grandparents as well. Yes, sir. So Kansas City, why did Pops choose Kansas City? Did you guys have family here already or did did Pops grow up here and born here and then kind of just made his way back? What was, what's the storyline of how you ended up in KC when you're 14? We have a lot of roots here, a lot of family here. Uh, so, yeah, my, my grandparents, they're, were, they're both from here and then they moved to Minnesota uh, once they got married and moved away and decided to start their own traditions and their own family. So a lot of my, my dad, my uncles, my aunts, they were all born in Minnesota. Interesting. And then, so I was born in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my dad and my mom decided to go to Atlanta for for whatever reason. Maybe it was Freaknik, who knows? But then, <laughs> uh, so I was, I, was, I was being raised down there. My mom moved back to Minnesota. My dad stayed down there. 
And then I believe a conversation with my grandma. I think my dad was stressed out about something. I don't know. I was a kid. And um, they, he decided to move here because we, it was a good foundation, good schools, good cost of living, a lot of family here for support. So I went to high school here, went to college here. I decided to stay. He moved back to Atlanta to further raise my little brother. I have a little brother who lives in Atlanta still. And um, now he's back here as well. So uh, something about Kansas City, we just always Drawing come back. back. It's kind of funny, you know, I, I've met so many people, including my, I'm the youngest of eight, so including a, a similar, uh, I guess, habit, you could say, of individuals who leave Kansas City but always find themselves coming back. Sure. Now, typically the reasons they give are, you know, just reasons that sort of make sense. Oh, I had three kids. It was too hard to raise them where I was at, or I needed to support a family or something, so I came back home. But I think people just secretly love Kansas City, and there's just like this this internal draw that brings them back here. And then that's the extra, you know, meat on top where it's like, well, I'll have the support of my family, but really their hearts just drawing them right. back home. Like, man, this is where I feel home at, and they feel homesick, and they just don't want to admit it. That's my theory. That's my theory. I agree with you. I, I, I love Kansas City. I love being able to see the progress of Kansas City. I remember when downtown was a ghost town, and, mm-hmm. you know, nobody wanted to go there. Nobody knew what Kansas City was. Now even national media is talking about Kansas City, whether it's the Royals or the, or the Chiefs or what have, Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. you know, all this different stuff. But Kansas City, I, I, I love it. Like I said, the cost of living, we're spoiled. On traffic, we don't really have traffic. You Thanks. can make a great living here uh, in terms of tech or whatever whatever you do. So I just think it's a great place. It's on the rise. And why not see the rise of Kansas City um, since we've been here? 100%. And so 14, you start high school. Where did you go to high school? Did you jump around during that period? Or did you spend all four years at one school? What was what was the vibes like when you landed in Kansas City? So when we, when we were about to move here, uh, my aunt told my dad that, Shawnee Mission East was a good school, so I went to Shawnee Mission East. That was a good, that was a good transition for me because I grew up when I grew up in Atlanta and in Minnesota. I went to all black schools, yeah. and then coming here, that obviously Shawnee Mission East is an all white school. But I I learned a lot about finances. I learned I learned a lot about running a business. I learned a lot about different aspects of life and how other people live, and that opened my eyes to a lot of things. So I'm the type of person I I can get it along with anybody in the room. So I was able to have black friends, white friends, whatever the case may be. So now I say the, from the the block to the boardroom, I can mm-hmm. I can converse with people on the street, or I can converse in the boardroom with people who are CEOs or whatever you and be comfortable wherever I am because of my background. I love that. And do you feel like that was developed during that that 14 to 18 years? Or do you feel like from when you was a kid, you was like, man, I can get down with anybody. Maybe you went to a school and grew up around primarily black, uh, prior, prior, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> primarily black folk. But then when you transition to this school, we are exposed to different cultures and different backgrounds and people who are working different types of jobs. Right. Do you feel like, because this is a conversation I've had with a lot of people on my show who sure. have been in a primarily black or latinx neighborhood school district until they were 14 Mm -hmm. then their parents were like unfortunately there and we can dive into this another time but there's a lot of things from property taxes to uh, dollars and how why the schools are fucked up in these areas but unfortunately the school systems typically aren't that great in in in, uh areas populated with our people and so their parents are like, look, we trying to get you. We got to get you to go somewhere else. So they send them to live with their auntie or maybe they got a friend from basketball who they put their address on there. So they, basically, <laughs> yep. we've had this story a lot. And yep. so many people um, give credit to yes. that experience, like where it just forced them to 
get out of their comfort zone and learn how to communicate with all types of people and respect all types of people, develop love for all types of people and kind of, you know, basically just change up how they were raised up. So I guess to reiterate my question, do you feel like you always had the ability from from the block to the boardroom or was that developed from that 14 to 18 year period where you were like forced into a new community? I think I've always had it because I've never been the kid that, followed the crowd or, or was focused on popularity and thing like that. So I can get, a, I can get along with the kids who are hanging out in the corner or the kids that were in the, like, I can, I can hang out with the popular kids, but I didn't, I didn't subscribe to that particular culture. Or Identify group. as that. Right. right. Yeah. So I can get, a, I've always been able to get along with anybody, but I think the times in high school really helped me exacerbate that or, or encourage that because I had to. So now I'm going to house parties and, meeting people at, at, at million, million dollar homes and things mm-hmm. like that. And I'm living in an apartment and my dad has a broke down blazer, but I'm driving that to these, these million dollar homes and, and fitting right in because I have that confidence in myself to be able to, I, I, I belong with these type of people and they're welcoming. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you still have racism and things like that, but I just had that always had that confidence in myself that I can belong anywhere. I, I'm not, I'm not particular to a certain area. I think cert, some people they only view themselves as comfortable in, in Wyandotte County or something like go. that. Yeah. And, and that's, that's never been my mindset. So I yeah. think to your question, it's a mindset thing. I've had, sure. I've always had the mindset that I can go anywhere on God's green earth and, and fit in or prosper. I love that. I love that. And that, and that really is real reality at the end of the day. We just put those limitations on ourselves or create these barriers where we feel like they're uh, one type of person or, uh, one specific human being. It could be right. in terms of like celebrities or something like that, that we put them in such a higher echelon. Like, look, you human, I'm human. You've had successes. I've had successes. Right. You've been exposed to things. I've been exposed to things. We all just live in this thing we call life. And however society wants to, you know, manipulate power and manipulate, you know, social status is right. up to them. But to me, man, we just human. Yeah. But if you decide to subscribe to society's perception uh-huh. of, you know, you know, social, social status or power plays, then you're going to fuck your brain up at yeah. the end of the day. So no, nah, I love that. It's always an interesting conversation to dive into that, but I think we'll surpass that today and move on to something else. But before we do, Jay-Z is the number one individual I think about when we think about from the block to the boardroom For sure. and we think about an individual who can really stay authentic to himself and his culture sure. and, and the way he grew up, but also be able to interact comfortably in mm-hmm. any space and, and, and just move with a certain level of swagger that's sure. like just very natural to him, but can like shape shift in any space without changing who he is. So it's kind of weird, shape shifting but not changing who it's you a are. Skill. It's definitely a skill set. And I think a lot of people, if they could just go back and listen to Jay Z's music, if they could just go back and watch his interviews, I think people could learn. Specifically in our community, could learn a lot. Yeah. From from Jay and you know, sure, maybe you don't like his music. Maybe you're more of a little Uzi Vert uh, uh, song type of person. That's one thing. But go watch, go watch a lot of Jay Z's interviews, and I think we could all learn a lot from how he carries himself. Yeah, Jay Z, sure. Nas. A lot of people that I think that what you said, listening to his music, that should be a course. That should be mandatory to listen to Jay Z because he mm-hmm. he does embody and exemplify how to move through this world coming from a particular environment. And now he's, he's rubbing arrow, rubbing elbows with people like Warren Buffett, and, mm-hmm. uh, the commissioner of the NFL and things like that. People mm-hmm. wonder like, why is Usher going to be the halftime show? Rock nation, Jay-Z, they have a hand in all that mm-hmm. stuff. So Jay-Z dropped a lot of gems. That's probably my favorite rapper of all time. Yes, he dropped a lot of gems in his music. 
Um, yes, he talked about Dylan Crack and his environment and things like that, but he talks a lot about how to transition throughout life. Even now, he's making music about being married and having kids and things like that. He's an older guy, and he's walking around with his – he's got dreads or whatever he's got in these corporate settings, but like you said, he's still true to himself. So he's able to walk in these corporate settings. Like, if they don't know him as Jay-Z, like, who's this random guy with – in a suit with dreads, but mm. he's Jay-Z. Yep, straight up. And you're going to know when he walked through. But yeah. that's only because he carries himself that way and presented himself that way and built his personal brand that way and sure. just stayed true to that all those years. Do you have a favorite Jay-Z line? Oh, man. Everyone's go-to is always like, I'm not a business. I'm or it's That's not an a, easy it's one. I'm business, uh, man. <laughs> or whatever he say. <laughs> so uh, there's a song, You Don't Know, and he was talking about uh, different business ventures mm-hmm. that he was getting into. So mm-hmm. he was talking about not just like this is, and I think, yeah, this is off the blueprint mm-hmm. and uh blueprints 2001. So at that time, everybody else is just rapping. Everybody's rapping. He's talking about rock aware. He's talking about different uh, alcohols and things. That he, in 2001, that's what everybody's doing now. Mm-hmm. But in 2001, he's talking about um, I'm raping Def Jam. So I'm the hundred million man. man things yep. <laughs> things yep. like that. So he's just talking about, crazy. Well, no, that's I think he said, um, I can go anywhere on God's green worth and triple my earth. Triple triple my worth. Yeah, and reverse. Then, yeah. I can go anywhere on God's yeah. green earth and triple my worth. And then he said a couple expletives after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, nah, that's the for, craziest. For that's the craziest. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to that whole verse, anybody, like, just look up what we just said. I could go anywhere. I think it's on called God's You Don't Know. Yeah, that's that track record. is crazy. And then uh there's one track where he says the I don't know if they call it a triple entendre or something, but he's like He does a lot of those. Bruh. I jack, I rob, I sin. Oh, man, I'm Jackie <laughs> Robinson. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's but why it needs to be a course. Yes, it really does. It really does. And, you know, shout out, uh, what's what's buddy name? Uh, I think Lupe Fiasco, yep. uh, Method Man, no, no, Red Man, one of, Method Man, Red Man. Anyways, mm-hmm. there's a few uh legendary uh Rakim before he passed mm-hmm. I believe there was quite a few artists who were teaching like hip hop courses at these colleges and I was like if if I was to ever go enroll to college it would only be to enroll in those courses because yeah. the history and what you can learn mm-hmm. for real for real though they're serious about just the history of America mm-hmm. uh business uh family Children, there's so much you can learn if you just really sat down and studied it. I think people get put off by the aggression or the curse words that mm-hmm. you hear in some of the music that you never li- listen to the true message behind it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just think people miss a lot from not dissecting hip hop. It's di- funny you mentioned like hip-hop. little Uzi Vert and people like that. You're like, yeah, there's there's entertaining rappers, but don't whoever's listening, don't think of rap as just entertainment. There are a lot of rappers who are dropping gems, dropping history, dropping dropping wisdom over a beat. And they're just saying it in a form that rhymes. But if you really listen to it, there's life advice. There's there's how to build wealth. There's how to raise a family. There's religious tonality. There's a lot of different factors of living life in the record. They're just what they say, putting putting sugar in the water. Mm-hmm. So it, it, the the beat sounds good. You know, the hook sounds good, but then in between that in the sixteens, they're they're really teaching you how to live life. Yeah. And that's kind of like the 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 way life works too is like, look, we live, we live life for the big joyous moments, but it's really the in betweens yep. that teach us the lessons. It's really the in betweens that help us develop character, develop resiliency yeah. to kind of get to those big wins. And those big wins happen really fast. So it's kind of the same thing in a song. The big bar might happen, right. and then everybody goes crazy because the chorus was crazy. Right. But all the in betweens, which 
built up to that, right. people kind of look past don't and don't that. and don't acknowledge and appreciate. But that's where the true joy comes from, right? If you I think agree. about, you know, from a life perspective, the journey. Mm. So I love that, man. But ladies and gentlemen, we are here today yeah. to talk to him about business and, and leaving the corporate world to jump into business. So quickly talk a little bit about the work you did after you graduated college in okay. the corporate world and then talk about what inspired you to make that transition during the pandemic. Well, let's let's not get it twisted. I still have a W-2. I yeah. still have a job. Uh, but there's a I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Rohn. He has a great quote that I live by. We work full time to, to make a living, but work part time to make a fortune. So there's mm. nothing wrong to build your your dream, your business on the side until it until it pays for your life where you can jump away. Yes, so sir. I'm working on firing my boss. But yes, right sir. now I do have a boss. Shout out to them because they're helping me pay for my living. Yes, sir. Um, but the reason why I started, I still have a business, uh, Empowerment Solutions. It's a play on my last name. So if you look at the word empowerment, it starts with an E. We took the E off. We put the M dash or hyphen Powerment Solutions. My last name is Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll get it on the way home. So the 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 concept is I started my business during the pandemic when a lot of people were having financial struggles. So we help people with personal credit, business credit, tax preparation, business formation, things like that. So a lot of things that people struggle with or may not have the knowledge, we're talking about rap records and knowledge. A lot of people may not have the knowledge. So we're teaching people how to do that to separate themselves, to set up their selves for success and hopefully ultimately set their legacy up their the people, their kids, kids, kids mm-hmm. for success. I love that. And, and ooh, I, I hope I hold on to this thought that I have because I don't want to address it now. I want to address it later. But remind me if I forget, I want to dive deeper into generational wealth and Absolutely. whether it's good or not good. Not the so. DJ Envy version. This is talking <laughs> about real generational wealth. Oh, Lord. We might have to talk <laughs> about that, too. That might have to be the clip of the day. But um, what led you to become or, or desire to become a specialist in this area? Because, okay. you know, you can you can be working. You'd be like, all right, you know, I'm taking care of my bills, able to take care of my family. And you can be like, I need to learn more about this for myself. Mm-hmm. But what made you want to learn so much more and uh, information so that you're able to teach and apply that to other people's life and help them, like, you know, win themselves? So I guess what led you to create that desire to tr- create a business around this personal experience mm. uh i've struggled with debt. i've been in debt consolidation i've been to the point where we we were thinking about or considering uh bankruptcy i've been to the point where we had our kids uh my beautiful daughters anila and aria we had them back to back so there was medical bills that were stacked up back to back uh my wife's been laid off four times during our marriage uh to god be the glory now she works from home she doesn't she doesn't have a boss she doesn't have a job because of the business and the job that I have, we're able to support her and she's able to work from home. But to answer your question, personal experience and um, studying up on these things, uh, why why the, does people in certain zip codes have bad credit? Why uh, why does redlining exist? These, these different things that separate people and set p- certain people up for success and other people's not. Um, so teaching people, especially women, black and brown, whoever needs the knowledge, because uh, most people have less than perfect credit when you do the numbers. How can we help people uh, get a home, get a car, get business credit? Uh, insurance checks your credit as well. There's so many different factors that check that three-digit number. I call it the adult GPA, that your credit. <laughs> it's your adult GPA. So outside of just money, outside of just cash, credit is very important. And a lot of people don't understand it. 
And a lot of people look at it as a negative because they have poor credit. So let's flip that. Let's learn how to use credit to our advantage and use other people's money, OPM, to fill our dreams. And I'm sure we'll get into that. Of course, of course. What I want to dive specifically into uh, is... Can you give maybe a list of things that that run off of credit? A lot of people get so fearful around credit because their parents had a bad situation around (laughs) credit growing up. And so then their parents were like, finally, say their parents took 20 years to pay down their debt to zero. And then when their kids like 18, they're like, don't ever get a credit card. It's going to ruin your life. Like I was paying that down all the time. It's the devil. They just trying to take your money. That's what I heard growing up. And I know plenty of friends did. So how can we flip that? explain to young bucks coming up, you know, 26 and under who are getting ready to go get their first car, getting ready to um, invest in their first property, getting ready to go and try to move into an apartment in LA that's going to do a credit check on them and do a background check. Like just explain a few different ways that people could be missing out if they don't like try to build credit while they're young, like how it could hurt them, I guess you could say. So we've all seen how credit can hurt you young in, in other ways. So a lot of parents, they put. We've all heard stories of parents putting their their kids' name and light, light bill and different factors like that and messing their kids' credit up Before later they on. Even know about what credit is, yeah. It's in, for the young people listening. Credit is important because when you do go to get your first ap- apartment, when you do go to get your first car, when you go get to get your first job, uh, they check your credit for jobs, for cars, for apartments, for insurance, for a lot of different factors in terms of living life. Credit measures your risk as an individual. So if I'm, if I'm a bank or a lender and you're applying for something, I don't know you from Adam. What is your ability to pay me back? This is not a grant. This is not a scholarship. This is a loan. I'm loaning you money. I don't have a problem loaning you money if I know that you're going to pay me back. So we use that credit report, that credit score to determine, well, not we, they, they use that to determine your risk profile. So what you want to do as a young person, even as an adult, as as an older person, is increase that risk profile to the point where you're considered low risk so that you can get funding for a car or home or what have you um, so that you don't have to get a co-signer or don't have to get a a, my wife got a um, I remember when we were in college, she had to get a PT cruiser that was like seven years old and like a 25% interest rate because her credit was bad and her parents didn't want to co-sign. But if they had, if they were proactive and help her set up her credit early on, she wouldn't be in that position. So that's just one example of uh, a lot of parents being like, well, I had to go through it. So you got to go through it. You mentioned like the credit cards, credit cards are not the devil. Um, money is not the devil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money itself is a tool. It's a piece of paper. Credit cards is a tool, it's a piece of paper. So learning how to properly use it is what separates the poor from the rich, in my opinion. A hundred percent. And and although business credit was the focus today, I do want to focus on personal credit just for a little bit because the majority of people listening to this are probably going to go down that path before they get to as they, as they probably should. Yes. Yeah, so, um, what what should people avoid when it comes to getting a personal credit card? Say somebody out there just applied. Maybe I sent. Maybe I just sent my girlfriend an Amex referral, and I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, I just sent you this. Go fill this out, and it'll get me $500, whatever. Say mm-hmm. I already know about credit, but she mm-hmm. don't, right? Mm-hmm. I send it to her. She gets approved for a $1,000 credit line. What should people know before they spend any money on a credit card? It's not free money. And um, credit credit cards are a credit-building tool. That should, be, that should be how we look at it. Credit cards are a credit-building tool. 
you're using that credit card to help build your credit profile to get other forms of credit, whether it's personal loans, lines of credit, et cetera, et cetera. The basic rule of thumb, if if you have a credit card, let's say $100, the basic rule of thumb is 30, 30%, so you should keep it under 30%. If you want to be an A-plus student, keep it under 10%. So break that down in numbers. So use a, like you said, let's let's use a $100 Sure. Imagine it's a hundred dollar credit line. Obviously, that's right, not that's the horrible, case, but, but you yeah. get what I'm saying. Just for 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 namesake, so hundred dollars. What does thirty percent utilization mean? Like, just break that down for somebody who okay, didn't catch so that. So, if, if that's if you have a hundred dollar credit card and you're at thirty percent, that means you have thirty thirty dollar balance mm-hmm. on the credit card. So that is a good rule of thumb if you're a beginner. If you're if you know a little about credit and you're, you're a little bit more experienced, then you should have a 10% rule of thumb or utilization, meaning that you should keep that balance under 10%. So another factor is due dates and statement dates, Collis. So most people are familiar with your due date. Your, your credit card bill maybe is due on the 15th, and most people pay it by the due date. You should change your line of thinking. You should pay that credit card by the statement date. Because the credit card company reports the balance to the credit bureaus on the statement date. So when you receive a statement by mail or, mm-hmm. or your email, if you got, mm-hmm. you know, a PDF or whatever, that's the balance that they use to send it to the credit bureau. So that, that determines your credit score, how much debt is on that card at that particular time in history. So if you get in the habit of paying your credit card down before the statement date, then it's actually going to help raise your score. And another thing about credit cards, you cannot get you know, those 750, 800 credit scores without a credit card. Mm. Credit cards make up 30% of your credit score. So, I mean, I'm not going to go into all the different, right, yeah. but there's five different factors. Credit credit cards are the second highest factor in determining your credit score. So if you, if you don't have a credit card, you're not maximizing your potential on your credit score. So let's not be scared of credit cards. Let's learn how to properly use them to help build that adult GPA. I love that. And and like you said, ladies and gentlemen, good rule of thumb. You just get your credit card. If you're going to use it only, you know, at, at the beginning, if you're going to use it, 30% utilization. So imagine you got $100, 30% utilization is $30. Right. So you would spend $30 on that card and then pay it off before you use any more money on there, correct? So if this if this credit card is cash, mm-hmm. they gave the bank gave you $100. Most people want to go out and spend that $100 in full, right? Let's not do that. Let's put 70 away in the shock drawer and and somewhere else. Let's put it so we can't access it. So in our mind, we only have $30. Now, let's use that to get gas or get, I don't care if you get a, a Starbucks or a stick of gum because you should use it. Because another another myth is that I should pay it off to zero every month. Some people are on the opposite end of the spectrum. They, 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 they use it and they pay it off every month. That's good, but you actually want to have a balance because you actually – the way that the scores are calculated – it actually is better to have a, a very small balance. That's, that's why I say 10%. Mm-hmm. It's better to have a very small balance rather than paying it off to zero every month because you're actually reporting every month because what could happen is that you pay it off to zero. Maybe you forget about that card. Maybe you put it in a sock drawer. You don't use it for six or seven months. If I'm the credit card company, I say Collis hasn't used his credit card for six or seven months we think that he doesn't need it anymore. So we're going to close this credit card. Now, all of a sudden, you have a, a, a notice in the mail. We closed your Capital One, your Discover, your Amex card, because we don't believe that you need this credit. We're going to extend this credit to someone else. So that can backfire on you when you pay it off to zero and don't use it. 
And every month that that balance is zero, it's not helping you build your credit score. So going back to the point that you should view that credit card as a credit building tool. Everything that reports to your credit report is a credit building tool. So that credit card is a tool. It's not free money. It's use it wisely. Um, if And we'll get into business credit. But if you're in business, if you don't have any business credit established yet, but say if I took Collis out to, to a coffee or a lunch or something like that, let me use that credit card to do that. Okay, that's my one usage of that credit card for this month. I pay it down. That's it. I used it. I'm good. It's going to report. We're good to go. I'm going to pay it by the statement date. But I used it for that specific purpose. So have a specific purpose for that credit card. Even if it's like, hey, we talked about Tech 9 earlier. I want to get Tech, if I have a credit card for 5000 or whatever, I want to get Tech 9 tickets. I use it for that specific purpose. I didn't have the cash. That's okay. But have a plan in place to pay that balance down under 30% so it's not hurting you when it's time to report. So it's okay to use credit cards. Just have a plan when you use it. Don't look at it as free money because it's not. Because they're they're earning, the credit card is earning interest and they're making money off that interest. So if you get too comfortable having a large amount of debt on a credit card, you might find yourself in a position where you can't pay it off. And the bank's loving you because they're making so much money off of that debt every mm-hmm. month. That's why they're killing it. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people go, they take everything to the stream, extreme, which is funny thing about humans. It'll sure. be like, it'll be like, okay, they'll hear this podcast and I'm like, okay, thirty percent utilization, or no, they'll be like, okay, I should always keep some money on the car just a little bit. Mm-hmm. They be looking at they should be ten thousand. I'm like, well. I, I paid seven thousand off. I'm keeping three thousand dollars on there. I just want to keep it on there. I'm, I think I should keep spending on it because it's like, brother, do you have a plan to pay off that right. three? Some do you have money to pay off that three thousand, or you just keep adding money onto your balance and you're using that as an excuse to like keep using the credit? This is something I've seen happen a lot where they'll yeah. they'll be like, you know, but I have to show the banks that I'm using my my credit card, and it's like that's true, but you don't need to show them with yeah. with that amount. It's, it's of, levels, it's right? Levels. But exactly. That's a benefit to a credit card. Say you get a flat tire, or your engine goes out, or you need a a, a family member is in dire health, and you need to travel real quick. Credit cards can help with that when you don't have the cash on hand. So there are emergency situations where you may go above that threshold, but at least you had that credit card there to help you in that situation. Because a lot of times we don't, a lot of people don't have the savings or the cash stacked up. Mm -hmm. So that credit card can serve in emergency purposes like that. So having. As long as you have that backup plan. Sure. As long as you. So I love that. So looking at credit as a tool that can make you more money, which we're about to get more deeper into from the business side, but as a tool that can make you more money or be there when you, when you need help, but make sure you have a plan if you are going to utilize that cash cut is. It is not free money. You're going to have to pay it back at some, point, at some point. And if you don't pay it back in a certain amount of time, you know, a lot of people forget about their little 0% interest rate they get for the first year. Right. And so they keep they keep using the money, keep using the right. money because they're not having to pay interest. Next thing you know, that 12 months Ooh. passes and they still got 9000 on there with the 21% interest yeah, they rate. they didn't read the fine print. And they didn't read the fine print because they didn't want to read through those papers or really check. They were just like, ooh, $10,000 credit line? Cool. Yeah. And a lot of people are getting big credit line. I, I got a fat credit line right out of, you know, right out of high school school because my mom had me on her uh discover as an authorized user which she was paying off consistently for 21 years so she's paying it off and like stupid amount of money on there which is kind of funny because 
Like you ever just think about some people just be having the most crazy credit lines, but they don't make no money in real life. No Got disrespect you. to mom. I'm just Got saying she, 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 you know, she, I'm just saying, you know, she hustled. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but she ain't no freaking lawyer or something like that. Yeah. Got bread like that. So, but her credit line looked beautiful. She knew how to play the game. Yeah. She's playing the game. So long story short, because I was an authorized user, when I went and applied for a credit line, they used her credit right. as the credit that I have. Right. Technically, but not really. Right. Um, to to judge how much money they're gonna give me, and I got like nine thousand dollars on my first credit card with technically right. no credit history, except for the fact that my mom put me on as authorized user. So, would you mind quickly breaking down authorized users, how that works, how it can be again a tool that you utilize inside of your family household, uh, whether it's with your kids or your siblings or uncles, cousins, things of that nature, and that, and then we'll transition into the business credit. Sure, sure, sure. So, your mom did the opposite of what most most parents do is in terms of putting a light bill or something in, in their kid's name and not paying it and, and letting that default. She, she was proactive. She puts you on a credit card. And you, so when the banks looked at you, when you got that 9,000, they looked at your credit profile based on her putting you as an authorized user. So they basically they use her credit history, like you said. So you had 21 years of history. She paid it on time every month and she probably kept it under a certain threshold. So that benefited you as a young high school student because she made your authorized user on that account. So if you are a parent and you have a credit card that is in good standing uh, under that 30% threshold that we talked about and no late payments on it, then you should add your child or children to that credit card. Now you may need to check with that particular company because certain companies only allow you to add a child mm -hmm. at certain ages. Some of them are 12, 15, 18, whatever the case may be. But that gives you the ability to help your child build credit at an early age, which is very important because as most parents, I know mine, I mean, I have $2, so they can probably stay with me as long as they want. But at some point, most parents want their kids to get out at some point. So to help your kids get out and get out proficiently in a good way, help them build their credit now while they're in middle school, when they're in high school. So once again, when they go to buy their first car, they get their first apartment or what have you, it's a lot easier process. If your kid has good credit, they may not have to pay a deposit on an apartment. They may have mm -hmm. may not have to pay a deposit on the car or a much lower deposit because you made them an authorized user. So authorized users are you're adding the child to the credit card, but you don't have to give them the a lot of people assume that it, I, you, she didn't have to give you a yep, credit yep. card she didn't give me a card at all actually yeah yeah she's so, like she kept it for herself she said you ain't touching this so that was smart because you weren't financially savvy at that point mm -hmm. so she added you as an authorized user meaning that you were able to benefit from her usage of the credit card but she didn't give you a physical credit card so once again once you got older you were able to benefit from that so what another the opposite end of the spectrum is once again do not add a a kid to an account that your defaults on or you have you have late payments every month because the 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 negative information will travel as well it's not just the positive so if you have if you're adding that child to an account that is in bad shape that's going to hurt the kid as well so yep. make sure if you're going to add them as an authorized user that that is to an account that is in good standing no late payments under thirty percent you're helping them set set them up for success when they have to make their own financial decisions. And hopefully you're helping them learn about credit as along the way, along the way. So yeah. when they do have their own credit cards and things like that, they're able to benefit. And mm -hmm. we didn't, we didn't talk about this in the last question, but you know, there's no benefit to using cash. This is going to be controversy. Whatever. There's say, no, say it again then and look it in the camera. If it's controversial, no, say it again, look it in the camera. There's no benefit to using cash. 
with credit cards, you can get cash back. You can get travel rewards. You can get different perks that build up or points that you can use later on. I have, I have a client. He's a good friend of mine. He uses his personal credit cards all the time because he travels a lot for work, for hotels, for rental cars, things like that. And then since he has to be home, he has to be away from home so much to make that back up to his family. He uses those points and rewards that he gets from using the, the card so much for business transactions to take his kids to Disney world and things like that. So that's kind of how he pays it back to his family. But he got that from rewards and points. If he, if he was just using cash for all of those transactions, there would, there would not be any points. There would not be any rewards. And to not get it confused, ladies and gentlemen, debit card is also cash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> debit card is just a, a card from your bank using your own cash that they right. have. Or they may not have. Facts. <laughs> that part. Another story. Another yeah. day. Right. No, I love that. Um, so to kind of recap that before we transition into business credit, ladies and gentlemen, essentially, if you're getting a personal credit card um, under 30% utilization, once you lock in on that, get really good at that, ideally take it down to 10, um, yeah. regardless of how much your credit line is, just try to adhere to that. If you adhere to that, you don't pay on the due date, you pay on the statement date. Keep it under 30%, ideally even better under 10%, and use it in every situation that you can. Just yeah. have a plan to pay it back before the end of the month or, you know, by the statement date. Then you are good. You're in clear standing. It's going to help build your credit. That's going to allow you the ability to maybe avoid uh, large down payments on a car. Maybe sure. avoid large down payments on an apartment. Might get you into an apartment that they said you need 5x income, but they check your credit, right. a.k.a. this happened to me, but right. they check your credit, and right. they're like, mm, nah, we trust them, right. and they don't require the 5x income and totally ignore that because they see your risk. That. They trust you. Yeah. It's really just a trust meter trust. at the end of the day. When they look at this score, they either trust you or they don't trust you, right. and that's just the end of the story. If you're doing shit or your parents fucked you up, excuse my language, but they fucked you up on, on by adding you to the light bill or adding you to, uh, as an authorized user to cards that are you know not paid yeah, on time sure. and late yeah. that's going to hurt you they're not going to trust you they're not going to bring you into their apartments they're not going to want to uh you know not adhere to their rule of 4x income to get into this building <laughs> they're they're going to charge you 5000 10000 for a down payment on the vehicle that you want they're going to charge you 25% interest right. rates which are ridiculous you know what i'm saying so you're setting yourself up for success if you adhere to those simple rules but it's hard as a human yeah. so just make sure you're ready when that time comes, you're ready to be disciplined with that credit card. It does require discipline. Um, I know a lot of people, and I've been there in terms of struggling and hard times and things like maybe you you struggle to pay that minimum payment or whatever it is for that credit card every month. Look into, we, t we mentioned due dates. Mm -hmm. So you may have personal loans, you may have credit cards, you may have different bills that are due <laughs> at certain points during mm -hmm. the month. I When we were going through hard times, I had to learn when does this account report to the credit bureaus and then when do they consider it late in terms of when they report a late payment? So this is, this is the other side of the game. So if you are in hard times, learn when that credit card actually reports a late payment to the credit bureaus. Some cards report 15 days, some cards are 30 days. So learning how to leverage different, okay, I can only pay these certain bills during this paycheck. I can wait on this personal loan because this personal loan, like an auto loan or a home loan, most of the time they're not going to report it late to the credit bureaus until 30 days later. So mm -hmm. I'm not advocating that, but just learning when different accounts report to the credit bureaus, an actual late payment, 
you may be able to manage your your paychecks. Some people, a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. So that was just another uh, uh, knowledgeable nugget in terms of learning when to pay certain accounts and still stay, stay within the threshold of having good credit mm-hmm. because no late payments are actually being reported to the credit bureaus and, yeah. and call them, talk to them. A lot of times when we get in hard times, we, we avoid the mail. We don't answer the calls. Let them know, Hey, I can't pay y'all right now, but I plan on paying y'all on the 27th when what, I get what, paid. What can we work out? They'll, they'll be more willing to yeah. work with you if you talk to them. And if you, if you ignore them, they're just going to assume that you're not going to pay and they're more likely to report a late payment. But if you tell Shit. them- Or raise that interest rate. <laughs> I, lost, I lost my job or I, I, I don't have it right now, but I plan on paying at a certain date or I can make a, a partial payment mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they'll work with you. A lot of times they, they may make your payment lower for a couple of months to help you get back on your feet. But yeah. if you don't communicate with them, they don't know anything. So 100%. don't avoid them. Let them know what's going on. Let them know the real. Mm-hmm. And more times than often, they will they will actually work with you. So, and that's a, that's a super hack right there. And for just one extra resource for you guys to tap into, read the book. Uh, I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi. He has all these little just emails, that. all these yeah. emails, all these uh, scripts that you can call your credit card company to help with what he just mentioned. So, with that being said, let's let's talk about business credit. First off, what's the difference between business and personal credit? The easiest way to describe the difference between business and personal credit, personal credit is credit that is in your name, in your social security name that is attached to you. Business credit is credit that is in your business's name attached to that EIN, that tax ID number for your business. Yep. So that's the easiest way to separate the two. Beautiful. All right. So EIN versus SSN, essentially, right. at right. the end of the day, your right. employee, that's what it stands for, right? Yeah. Employee, Identifi- even though you may not have an employee. But I just say tax identification yeah, number. But tax yeah. identification number or your social security number, essentially, personal credit is attached to the SSN. Business credit is attached to EIN, which right. doesn't technically have your name on it. So no. it doesn't hurt your personal credit if you fucking up on your business credit. Exactly. Now, how can people avoid fucking up on their business credit? So I guess the, the better question is, who is business credit for? Is, is it for the person who literally just uh, saw a video on YouTube about LLC University and went and got their little LLC from a... Shit, what's that? What's that website called? I don't know what what the website's called. There's but a lot the, of them. Yeah. A lot of them that just get you a little LLC real quick. Is right. it for them? Should they go get a business credit uh, card right now? Or you know, who's who's the right person to look into business credit under the right circumstances? And you mentioned a few different circumstances that are not right. Under the right circumstances, business credit is for the business owner who is looking to leverage other people's money to help fuel their dreams. Mm. So most business owners leverage their own personal credit, their own money. Maybe they still have a job. And they're, and they're, so they're literally waiting paycheck to paycheck to help finance their business. That can take forever. So why not establish credit in your business's name, like you talked about earlier, that trust the risk, improve the risk. I mean, and this, this decrease the risk, improve the trust of your business so that your business is able to obtain financing. Your personal credit may be horrible, but your business credit may be in position to get you financing to fund your business. So it helps businesses obtain the funding they need to do whatever they need to do. Get uh, supplies, pay personnel. Uh, if you need vehicles, if you if you need to buy real estate, whatever, you, whatever your business is, it, it gives you the funding needed to do so. Fundability is key. I always talk about fundability. So fundability is your business's ability to get funded. We're going to talk about the steps and how to do that. But basically, 
If you walk into a bank and people get frustrated with this, I started a business. The first thing they think of is I need to get funding. I, I need a loan. I need an Amex. I need whatever. You cannot go from starting a business and then getting approved for a hundred K right out the gate. I know they say that on TikTok and YouTube and all that kind of stuff, but for most people, that is not the case. So you will need to establish credit in your business's name step by step uh, to establish business credit. And then before that, you need to establish the legitimacy of your business. So the paperwork, the things that most business owners hate. Break that down more in detail. And you might be about to do that. But how do you establish the legitimacy, quote unquote, step by step? So once again, we talked about on the personal credit side, if you walk into a bank, they don't know you. They don't know you from Adam. They don't know your financial history or your ability to pay back. Same thing with your business. So a lot of business owners, they know they know how to cater. They know how to do landscaping. They know how to cut hair. But their business may be a side hustle. It may not be an actual business. Does your business have a bank account? Does your business have a phone number? Does it have an email address? Does it have a website? Um, the legitimate factors that banks look for before they extend funding to you. So what we do is we help businesses establish the legitimacy of their business which once again separates them from the personal, the owner, mm -hmm. so that their business is in position to get funding. Okay, fair. And and then and then you were also talking about the steps yeah. to yeah. So go ahead and, and jump into jump into the, the next stair steps because we just passed the first stair steps, right? Establishing right. the legitimacy right. of your business. He gave some quick examples, which website, anything to prove to whoever's going to give you this money that you are a real alive business. Right. So websites, um, a address, a business address, right. a virtual or in person. Right. Um, we're we're talking, you know, obviously established as an LLC or whatever. You decide to do LLC, C Corp, whatever right, it right, might right. be, but you know. Um, and then you mentioned a few other things. They can run that back. So let's talk about the steps to kind of build the ability to get you know, the fundability, I guess you could say, of your business. So legitimacy is first. Like we said, you don't start off in terms of acquiring an LLC or C Corp or S Corp, whatever the case may be and then going to apply for funding. What mm -hmm. you want to do is build a legitimacy. Mm -hmm. Then you want to go through the steps of building credit in your business's name, just like personal credit. If you have, if you, if you are a person where your parents did not add you as an authorized user, at some point you're going to have to build credit in your name, whether that's a, a car, even though if it's a high interest rate or whatever, a secure credit card, phone things bill, like that, yeah. phone bill, you're going to have to establish credit. Same thing with a business. But in order to do that, you're going to have to use some type of accounts. Net 30s, net 60s, net 15s, there are different vendors who will offer credit to businesses who are startups or who don't have a lot of business credit established already. Quill, Uline, Vistaprint, AutoZone. There's a lot of businesses who say, hey, we don't know you. You don't have a lot of business credit established already, but we'll extend credit to you. Uh, for this particular period of time. So if you go to Quill and you buy some some paper towels or something like that, whatever that amount is, then we'll 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 extend that to you, but you have to pay it back all within these 30 days. And so it's different from the credit card. If you have if you have a balance of eight hundred dollars on a credit card, you still may have on the personal side, you still may have a minimum payment of a hundred dollars or seventy dollars or something like that. Net 30s, net 60s, whatever you borrow for that time, you have to pay back all in, in full. So right now I have business um, 
uh, gas cards. Mm-hmm. You have business get whatever you use for that particular month. You have to pay it, so it may be four hundred and something dollars. You got to pay it all back. There's no minimum payment. So the steps are establishing online vendor accounts because they are they are willing to do business business uh, business with businesses who are new or don't have business established. Next is store cards, charge cards, Home Depot, Lowe's, Costco, Sam's Club, whatever the case may be. A lot of places that you may shop already you are able to establish commercial accounts with them, corporate accounts with them and, and that, and further extend your business. So you want to do at least three net three to four net 30 net 60 accounts. Then you want to move on to three to four store cards, charge cards. Mm -hmm. The next step is gas fleet cards. So you're able to establish uh, uh, BP shell, whoever the case may be um, freight cards, gas cards, you want to establish those. And then you get to the actual business credit cards, the Amexes, the Discovers, the the Capital Ones. So it's, it's really a five-step, four- to five-step process to get to the point where you're able to get those credit cards that are 10000 20000 50000 in your business's EIN number, business credit cards, cash back. You're able to use them. Some, you can use business credit cards to pay payroll, to buy real estate, I have I have clients that do Turo. I have clients that have Airbnbs. I have clients that do um, real estate. Most of my clients are real estate. But um, once you get to that point, those business credit cards can help offset whatever season your business is in. Maybe the cash and other isn't rolling in how you thought it would. That business credit can help offset you. I'll give you an example. Walmart. If you, and, and don't trust what I say, go look it up online right now. Walmart has over five hundred accounts on Experian alone right now, public accounts, you can search it. Why? Because when you walk, when you or I walk into Walmart, we can get, we can grab that uh, ketchup off the, off the counter. More than likely Walmart bought that, 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 that ketchup or that Sprite on business credit. So Mm -hmm. they did not use their own money to purchase Mm -hmm. that. Us as the consumer, we pay the cashier marked up, right? So they may have bought it for a dollar, we pay $3, whatever, for that. So they, they they use that money to pay back the business credit and then keep the profit. Whatever is left over and is the, the profit, And the whole right. transaction, Walmart never used their own money. So, But you don't have to be a Fortune 500 company to do that. Right. You as a business owner can establish business credit to help offset, once again, utilizing other people's money to fuel whatever service or product that you offer. Um, and it helps, you, it helps keep you afloat because – there's a there's a there's a, a fact or a quote saying that most business owners fail. Fifty percent of businesses fail within the first five years. I'm sure that number exacerbated during uh, COVID. A lot of businesses went out of business. Why? Not because they couldn't cater. Not because they d- couldn't do uh, landscaping. Is it because their finances, their accounting, their credit, their ability to obtain financing was hurt because they were once again utilizing their their personal credit or their their money that they were getting from elsewhere cash that ran out and they didn't have any business credit to establish. So business credit can help you stay afloat and it can help finance your dreams. Ultimately. I love it. I love it. And now I want to dive into the, the, the question of there's, there's plenty of people out there that believe in themselves, believe in their business, believe in a business idea, watched 77 TikTok videos that just got them <laughs> juiced up, fired up to go start a business, which is cool. Run and through all. a wall. Yeah. yeah. Run through an, a wall, which is cool and all, but I think there's two sides of the coin. You okay. know what I'm saying? There's people who have a business plan. Right. They have a, a process. They have a system that they've put in place that they plan to like 
you know, execute on Absolutely. to generate capital and revenue for the business. At the end of the way, your business ain't in business till you make some money. I, I agree. And so, I guess what would your disclaimer be for those individuals who is like, oh, I heard about business credit on TikTok, $100,000 credit line, but they have a bullshit-ass business idea that they haven't put a plan together. They've never started a business before. They never got mentored. They never had a question. They never listened to enough podcasts to learn something. They don't know shit. They just going off of just hope and 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 ready to run through a wall because of some TikTok videos. What would you say to an individual like that who comes to you and they like, I want 30K in business credit? There's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of misconceptions. The, the, num- the number one misconception that I get is that people think that you have to have great personal credit to get business credit. Once again, business credit is separate from you, the individual, so you can establish that. Um, the main thing, say the question again. Yeah, I guess, I guess my, my question really is, there has to be a, a, a line where some people should get business credit okay. and some people maybe shouldn't. So for those individuals who should take a double double thought about it, you know what I'm saying? What, what would you say to them or what type of individuals would that be? I know for me, like I remember I was thinking about, uh, I mean, I did end up getting business credit, but there was a point where I was thinking about doing it and then I decided not to go out there and get this business credit because I didn't have a plan. I didn't like, sure, I had the motivation, like, oh, I'm going to make a business work, you know what I'm saying? But, like, I wasn't, like, super committed necessarily to the business. I wasn't necessarily comfortable, you know, going out there and getting a line of credit for something I don't know if I'm going to go all in on. And I didn't want to have $10,000 just sitting in front of me that I could utilize when I don't really have a plan yet. But some people will still go get that line of credit just because they're ready to run through a wall and then use it on some bullshit. So I guess... No, I, I don't you. know, maybe a word of advice to those individuals who who might be in that space. Well, if you're in business in general, like you said, you should have a plan of action. You should have what I call a, a DMO, a daily method of operations. You talked earlier about the the process, the journey. Um, a lot of people look at businesses as just like, oh, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to become a millionaire and everything's going to be great. Exactly. No, yeah. you have to have a plan of action every single day what you're going to do. So if you do not have a plan of action on what your goal is, because you need to start with the end in mind first and then work to that. What do you need business credit for? What do you need financing for? If you don't, if you can't answer that question, you don't need business credit. If you're not good at paying bills on time, you, you don't need business credit yet. Two. We need, we need, we talked about budgeting apps. We talked about discipline. We talked about mentorship. We talked about uh, copying, copying the right cat. That's, uh, that's one aspect of mentorship that I consider in terms of looking at people who've already done it successfully and follow their past realistically, not just saying bullshit on the internet. Right. right. Um, so if you do not have a plan of action, a vision for where you want to go, if you do not have systems in place to keep yourself accountable and disciplined for your finances and for your daily actions as a business owner, um, to make sure that once you get this ten thousand, a hundred thousand, that you're not going to use it correctly to make more money. Because the, the 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 plan, the reason you get business credit is to use other people's money to make more money. Mm-hmm. That's why you should be doing it. Yep. It's not to get business credit to pay your rent or mm-hmm. to to buy your girlfriend something nice, and now you're the hero. But now you owe seven hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and you don't know how you're going to make the money because you weren't you didn't have a plan to actually. Make so that I money shouldn't back. buy the proposal wearing on my business Amex. No, you should. All right, all right, all right. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> just want to make sure. Baby, you're going to have to wait another year. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to wait another year now. Unless uh, you have a plan of action. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to use uh, Chase's money to buy this ring for my wife, and I have a plan of action. I'm going to churn out 
100 podcasts this year, and I, and I have a plan on how I'm going to make that money back. See, you, you're a smart guy, so I, I have confidence that you can actually do that. But if you just are only looking at the transaction and you don't have a plan of action to make that money back, it's not a smart investment. So utilizing business credit or your own cash or personal credit, you should have a plan on how to use that to make more money. Um, that should be your plan of action. But if you're not disciplined, if you don't have systems in place in terms of how to make revenue on your business, then maybe you should focus on that first. Establish a business plan. Make sure your business is legitimate on paper. The very first step is having a business bank account. A lot of banks don't consider you a real business until you have a, a business bank account. So now I'm going to put on my tax hat. You know, you don't want to co-mingle funds. You don't want to be making business transactions out of your personal bank account. Cause now you're bringing those transactions. Now you're bringing the IRS back to you as the business owner, because you're using personal uh, checking account or savings account for business transactions. So you definitely want to keep everything separate. And that's one thing we do is we help the business owner separate the business from them. That's why it's a limited liability company, right? You want to separate the liability from you, the business owner, so that, if anything happens, they cannot come after your personal assets, the child's 401, your 401k plan, the child's 529 plan or whatever it may be. You want to separate yourself from the business because people look at people like uh, Donald Trump and they say, oh, he's, he's filed bankruptcy a million times or he's had businesses that failed. Well, he was able to do that because it was the business that failed. Donald Trump didn't fail. So he can you can start a new business tomorrow. You can start a new LLC mm-hmm. EIN tomorrow That's because what I, I it, didn't it was understand. separate. <laughs> I didn't understand that back in the day. I remember I was sitting down with like my older brothers, you know, who, who you know, or a specific older brother who does well with his finances, manages well. He's like the, he's not the oldest in the family, but he's very much the oldest in the family in terms most of the, the most mature and wise and understands the money, handles all the money for my parents and all that type of shit, right? Awesome. And so... I remember I was just talking that shit about, you know, I'm, you know, young bull, 18, just talking that, yeah, I'm going to do this and do that, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and what you going to do if it doesn't work? And I said, Psh, I'm going to just file I bankruptcy. I about that. Yeah, yeah, but I was like, I'm going to file bankruptcy. He said, you going to file personal bankruptcy? I said, yeah, it's going to be fine. <laughs> but I wasn't that thinking was about that. That question, the, though. He said, yeah. are you going to do it personal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I think, I, I think that last 10 minutes right there was super important for people to run back. I think there's a lot of motivation. I think I love people being motivated. I love people being inspired to start businesses. I love people thinking differently about how they can make their business work by using other people's money. I love people learning business and understanding how to leverage, again, other people's money to be able to like finesse and finagle and turn your business into a reality. But I think it is really important for people to like settle down for a second and think about the things you said, having a daily operation, daily operational procedures, having a business plan. Like what is my plan to sell off these 10,000 shirts that I'm about to order? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is my marketing plan? What is, how am I going to distribute this? Am I going to do three pop-ups a week because I don't have a website? Cool. But at least you have a plan. You know what I'm saying? Whereas a lot of people just drop the 10 K buy the merch no plan. Now they fucked out some ten thousand dollars. Now they're even more and, dead. And and, and, and now they mad at you know somebody else. So you should you told me to get the business law. Why'd mm-hmm. you do that? And now they mad at the TikToker. But it's like, listen, bro, bro, you just should have thought a little bit longer about mm-hmm. it, or at least you know invested in somebody you trust who can educate right. you about what's happening, which I hope some of this podcast does. So 
I think we're coming up on about 45 minutes, so I w- I'm, we got to keep it within our hour. Taylor, what I would sure. like to do is I would like for you to talk about everything that your business does, like some of the resources that your business provides, plug a little bit of your business information, and I'm going to ask you a few final bonus questions before we wrap it up. But first, I want you to kind of plug your business. What do you guys provide? What's the name again? Where can people find you just so that they can start doing that now before we before we hit the Absolutely, end of the pod? Absolutely, Carlos. And once again, thank you for having me on your platform. I want to say one more thing before we move on please to do, that please do in terms of establishing business credit there are a lot of commercial corporate accounts that actually do not report to the business credit bureau so mm. you have to be careful with that too because you mm. can do you can do these plays and everything that these tiktokers or youtubers are saying and they may or may not report to the business credit bureaus but once again my company is empowerment solutions uh you can find me instagram facebook whatever linkedin uh kc credit doc that's my tagline. Um, maybe Mr. Solar Tax Credit. That's another name that I go by. Um, you can find our website, empowermentsolutions.com. Um, and going back to, I practice what I preach. So my email is info at empowermentsolutions.com. We have a corporate number. We have a, a virtual office. So I'm not just talking. All of these things I've, I've done myself to help legitimize my business and separate it from me, the business owner, because banks and lenders, they don't want to see um, you know, va- uh, voices of value at gmail.com. Um, they want, they want to see Collis or info at voices of value.com. So buy that domain name in your, for your business. Once you get that LLC so that everything can be in, con- in, in congruent with each other, it can be growing. It can be consistent. Um, it's all about legitimizing your business. So making sure your paperwork is in order so that you can obtain this financing that you need for your business. Like Carla said, having a plan of action and make that happen. Um, going back to your earlier point, you know, do, if you're going to do three pop-up shops a week or if I'm going to, for me, I offer a service. So I, I have a plan of action to talk to a certain amount of people per day. I have to follow up with those people. I have to learn more about those people. What are their, what are their problems? My company is Empowerment Solutions. So we have solutions for people's financial problems. I can't do that if I don't, if I'm not a good listener, I can't do that if I don't talk to people. I can't do that if we don't have success stories. And because most of my clients are from referrals, the services we offer are personal credit, business credit, uh, tax preparation. There are some other services in terms of business formation, consumer financing. We help people get credit cards, uh, secure credit cards to help build their credit. We help people put their rent on their credit report. That's another uh, 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 gym because that's a lot of times that's a lot of people's biggest uh, financial burden every month, but you're not getting credit for it on your credit report. So we help people get credit for that. Uh, Establishing credit growing activities like grow credit. So if you have streaming services, we can add that to your credit report. You mentioned phone bills. You can do that with experience, things like that. And um, so that's pretty much it, man. There's, there's more, but I don't want to bore you guys with all that. Guy. If you have debt, if you are looking to purchase a home, if you're looking to buy a car, if you just want to, if you, you may already have a 650, 700 credit score and you just want to be able to get to an 800 just to go to a, a party and say, hey, I have an 850 credit score. Some people want to do that. I have clients that literally just say, I want to have the highest credit score possible. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we can help you with that. Um, and some clients I have, I say clients, but some people I say, hey, you don't really even need our services. Here's a couple things you can do. Um, check in with me in a couple months and, you know, you should be good to go. So it's not about money with us. It's about 
increasing financial literacy. We talk. I, 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 I'm going to remind you. We talk about financial literacy, general, generational wealth, and um, you know, learning all the things and applying all the things that we didn't learn in school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. Because everything we just talked about in this 45, 50 minutes. The majority of it is not taught in school unless you go to a, a private school or something like that where they maybe specialize in that. But most people don't learn about these things until they're an adult and they don't know what's going on. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, first off, let me dap you up. Thank you for reminding me. Because the question, the question is, is generational wealth even worth it, ladies and gentlemen? Mm. For the producer, the content <laughs> creator in the background, for you, for me, for the listeners. Listen, they—they—they. They, mm. I'm pretty sure the statistics show that by the second, so you know, you I have my kid. Yeah. Cool. They they utilize they the money it, well. They, it, they yeah. run the business well. They take over. They do their thing. They don't go crazy. They don't fuck off the capital. But the next one, spoiled. Boom. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of just disappears. Money goes bad. Business goes bankrupt. Things go to shit. Business gets bought out by some other corporation. They mess it up because they don't know the family values, blah, 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 you know? And everything kind of goes to shit. And now by the fourth one, they broke. You know what I'm saying? Or back to to square one. So the question from me to you, for somebody in this industry who thinks about this often and is, you know, trying to help people create that financial legacy, I guess you could say, or make sure the kids are going to eat and the kids are going to eat is like, do you really believe in that? And do you really think it's worth it? Or should we just focus on ourselves? Like get our money up and then teach our kids, but don't give to our kids. Does that make sense? Teach our kids, share the value, share the game so they can go get it on their own, but leave it up to them. Because if we hand it to them, if we hand the full keys to the whole mansion, they might just fuck it off. I think you just said it. I think it's about, yes, positioning. First, you have to position yourself and your and your generation for success. And so when you're at a position where you can live comfortably and live on your own terms, uh, and time freedom is the is the biggest asset to me, being able to structure your day, your year on your own time. That's why entrepreneurship is so great, because you're able to live on your own time. So to me, time is more valuable than money. But anyway, um, positioning yourself first and then teaching your kids the values that got you to that point. Not just about money. Obviously, you should teach them about money. You should teach them about credit, but teach them about hard work. Teach them about uh, properly structuring their time. Um, how, How did you get to that point? I think transferring the knowledge and the applied knowledge is more important than just the money itself. Cause like you said, you can give the next generation or the second generation the money, but if you're not transferring the financial literacy and the knowledge um, and the opportunities that got you there, then they're going to, they're going to fuck off the money. Um, we talked about me and my wife talked about when our kids get to a certain age, having the money there, but kind of, structuring everything like a shark tank like Mm -hmm. okay like you have an idea we're not just going to give you the money pitch it to us convince us why we should invest in whatever you want to do i love that and so it's like because you're because you're preparing them for the real world because if you go to that bank or a lender or anybody even if we're talking about we're talking about entrepreneurship and people get scared of of sales or selling you sell every day of your life. You and when you when you uh, when you propose to your wife, you sold her. When you try to negotiate uh, for a job or you try to f- negotiate for a promotion, you're selling yourself. People sell every single day. They just pick what they choose to sell for. So teaching your kids how to sell themselves, how to build confidence in themselves, um, and how to have confidence in themselves is very important. But 
the hard work, the knowledge, and not, like I said, the applied knowledge of what you learned to get to where you are. And I'm not saying it's possible. They may still F off the money, but at least attempting to teach them the applied knowledge that got you to that point is important, not just giving them the money because knowledge by itself is not is not power. Applied knowledge is power. You can read all the books in the world, but if you don't act on those, if you don't if you don't do anything with that knowledge, it's never really going to amount to anything. In generational, my, in my opinion. generational knowledge, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm about to start saying from here on out. So that's what it generational applied knowledge is what I'm about to start saying from here on out. That's my new my new tagline at the beginning of every episode. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we've just had a conversation with the great Whitney Morgan talking about personal credit, business credit, how to leverage these two assets, these two yeah. tools yeah. as resources to help you create time freedom, financial freedom, and ideally get you and your family into a situation that you guys want to be in. So hopefully you guys take this information, utilize it as an inspiration or taking the words or little thoughts and pieces as a way for you to go and do further independent investigation for yourself of truth around financial wealth and how to get to it. If y'all need help, find my guy at one more time. KC Credit Doc and uh, definitely go and listen to Jay-Z. There Uh, we go. Blueprint, Reasonable Doubt, start there and then and then. Work your way up. Migrate to the rest, but yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) Whitney Morgan, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Another good one, ladies and gentlemen, Voices of Value podcast. This is C-I-Z-Z-Y. Salud.